Milwaukee is on fire, and it's on fire because black rioters decided that a black officer shooting an armed black man who'd stolen a gun, who apparently attempted to turn on police, required burning of cars and looting of stores and hurling of rocks at the cops and attacking random white passers-by. Our first black president, the great godlike figure sent from on high to unify the country on all issues racial, has gone golfing. The sheriff of Milwaukee, a black man, has now stated that Americans ought to focus less on reforming the police and more on fixing the ghetto, and the media blame him for the problem. Milwaukee hasn't seen a Republican mayor since April 1960, <laughs> but the media and Democrats will find a way to blame Trump, white Americans, and capitalism. After all, they've been doing that for decades. The left has been preparing for this sort of activity, virtually begging for it, since the racial conflagrations of the 60s and 70s. Leftists like former D.C. Mayor, mayor Marion Barry they used to use riots and looting as a pressure tactic to force local government to cave to the left agenda. Now, major American cities have been turned into wastelands, so the left has an excuse to impose its big government high-tax agenda and blame white Americans in the process. Leftist philosophy, it's been passed along in the mother's milk of Milwaukee's residents. No wonder one rioter explained the motivations behind the looting like this. Quote, the rich people got all this money and they not like, you know, trying to give us none. This is the complete victory of the Marxist substitution of racial warfare for class warfare. In the 60s, Marxists realized that their strategy of dividing Americans between rich and poor wouldn't succeed because everybody was kind of getting rich. Instead, they shifted their focus to racial conflict. They told minorities they could never succeed in America thanks to the capitalist system that would naturally oppress them. The outcome? People rioted in the streets on the basis of race while believing that they were rioting on the basis of class. Things are about to get worse, not better, too, thanks to the media and the Democrats. The riots are going to continue. Police will continue to pull out of dangerous areas, fearing that their lives will be ruined if they shoot a bad guy with a gun. The black officer in this case has had to go into hiding thanks to the situation. The murder rate, of course, will increase. In 2015, Milwaukee experienced the most murders it had since 1993. There's a 70% spike over 2014. People will feel victimized, and they'll blame all the people leftists tell them to blame, rather than working with police to tamp down the crime rate and make communities livable. It's all a tragedy, and it has to stop. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So... First off, want to thank our newest advertiser, Bolin Branch. Bolin Branch is a sheet company. They make sheets, and uh, they, it's spectacular. I got to say, I don't know much about sheets. Like I'm the guy who would drive past a gas station who would say thousand thread count sheets, ten dollars, and I think, oh my god, that's a lot of threads in one sheet. That sounds great. And then I'd sleep on it, and it turns out that it's actually like a plastic tarp. If you actually don't know anything about sheets or how they work then you need to go to bowlandbranch.com. And the reason that you need to go to bowlandbranch.com, is B-O-L-L and branch.com, is because not only are their sheets fantastic, it's all made from pure 100% organic cotton. I've tried their sheets. You put it on the bed last night. Wow. Wow. It's a whole different level. And they don't have middlemen, so you can buy directly from them, so you're paying basically wholesale prices. Really nice sheets, like really nice sheets, they can cost like $1,000. Bowlin Branch, you're talking a couple of hundred bucks, which sounds expensive for a sheet, but it really isn't when you consider that you're sleeping on one every single night, and it makes a huge difference. I can tell you, I got the best night's sleep last night I've had in months because of Bowlin Branch sheets. They really are terrific. Three U.S. presidents and a bunch of celebrities sleep on Bowlin Branch sheets, including Bill Clinton is one of those presidents. That means presidents and celebrities sleep on that one set of sheets if you're Bill Clinton. The shipping is free. You can try out their sheets for 30 nights, and if you don't like them, you send them back for a refund, too. So you can try them out and see if you like, but you're not going to want to send them back. They're really, really good. And right now, if you go to bull at bullandbranch.com, Use the promo code Ben so they know it's me sending you. You get a 20% discount off your entire order, which is a lot of money. I mean, when you're talking about a $200 set of sheets, it's 20 bucks right off the top. That's bullandbranch.com, 
promo code Ben, and they come beautifully packaged in these really pretty boxes uh, that my daughter is playing with right now. It's bullandbranch.com, promo code Ben. Check it out. It's fantastic. B-O-L-L and branch.com. Okay, so lots to get to today. We begin with the situation in Milwaukee. So another week, another riot. So this time there's a riot over a black guy getting shot by a black cop. So this just proves to you that it's not the racist, white, evil cops who are after the black people. It turns out that the black evil cops are after black people too. Basically, you stick on that uniform and you may as well be putting on a white sheet. Not a bowling branch sheet, but like a white sheet with a hood. So, in any case, the Milwaukee police, they're already announcing the shooting was justified. They have clear video evidence. The guy had a gun on him. He apparently turned on the cop and the cop shot him. Here's the Milwaukee police explaining just that. Right now, police and city officials are discussing the body camera video that the police officer had on him uh, when he did shoot that suspect. The police chief says the video makes it clear that the shooting was within lawful bounds. The mayor says he saw a still shot, essentially a photo of that video that he says shows that the suspect did have a gun on him. Now, the police have yet to release that video, and the number of the protesters last evening were saying they want to see that video. Police say they're still conducting their investigation and they're not yet going to do so okay so first off worth noting again this is a black cop who did the shooting there are statistics that show that black cops are more likely to shoot black suspects than white cops are because white cops are afraid that they're going to be run through the mill but apparently it applies to black cops too we of course saw that in baltimore where it's a majority black police force and that hasn't stopped the department of justice from calling the black police force racist for picking on black people so the natural response to all of this of course is when a black guy pulls a gun on a cop and it's a stolen gun and turns around and gets shot by the cop and it's a black cop my natural response is to go steal some hair extensions. I don't know about you, but that's my thing. I like stealing hair extensions. So, you know, that's actually what happened. People decided that it's time to loot and riot. Here is, uh, here's a freedom fighter in Milwaukee uh, stealing, some, stealing some hair extensions because those hair extensions were just, they were cultural appropriation. They were aspects of white supremacy. And so this delightful human being is stealing a bunch of hair extensions, presumably from a black-owned shop, which is just the way that you fight in favor of freedom. See, here's the logic, I think. The logic is the police, they're not targeting enough criminals. So I'm going to be a criminal, and then the police can target me. Or maybe that's not the logic. Maybe there's not any logic. Maybe they just want some hair extensions. I mean, maybe that, that might be more logical. Or maybe they're burning cars over there, destroying cars over there, because the cars are elements of white supremacy. I mean, if you look at this car, the first thing I saw when I saw this car, first of all, it's a black car, so I don't know why they're, they're so upset about it, but it's a black car, and uh, and then they, they're destroying it because presumably cars are just an extension of the evil white racist capitalist system. This car particularly must have done something to a black person at some point because they are pissed off, and here's how it goes with this car. Black power in this man. Yep. Oh! No, nah, they ain't tired. Black power means beat the crap out of the car. That make a lot of sense to me, but you know, there you have it. I guess that that's if if you think that's striking back against the man, I suppose. Also, they chanted "Black Power" these rioters as they burned down a gas station, so that was exciting. They had some fun. Okay, so they're burning down a gas station and shouting black power, which seems, again, very logical. See, the thing is that when black people want gas, the last place they'd want to go is to a gas station. They'd presumably want to go to some culturally appropriate gas center 
I, I don't know. I, I can't. I don't, no, actually, I, I don't have any explanation for this. I got to be. I got to be real. They're burning down a gas station in their own neighborhood and shouting "Black Power," and I'm failing to see how this is how burning down a gas station that's probably owned by a minority person, uh, given the area where this is taking place, why that exactly is uh, is an element of Black Power. But apparently, it is. Also, also. Uh, the rioters were targeting white people, which makes perfect sense since a black cop shot a black guy, so the white people are to blame. So here is the, here is the Milwaukee rioters targeting white people. If you're wondering, it's kind of late. Why don't these people go to sleep so they can go to their job in the morning? It's because they don't have jobs, presumably. And so they're shouting black power and chasing the white people all over the city of Milwaukee. And this, of course, means that white people are the problem, right? Clearly, clearly, this is because of all the evil white people. And some of these people were, were kind enough to sort of explain that. Here are some of the agitators uh, yelling at the police. So that was, that was amusing, the, the agitators yelling at the cops. We can watch that. One of the amusing things about this sort of thing is that you're allowed to use this sort of language with regard to the cops, but and none of and none of the people who are into gay rights will care about it because after all you're just yelling it at the police officers, so it's totally fine. Okay, but there were a couple people who explained what their agenda was. And I think it's important to understand the agenda of people who are stealing hair extensions, burning cars, breaking cars, running after white people in the streets. It's very important to understand what their real gripe is, because after all, I mean, I gotta be honest, I don't really see the gripe after a cop shoots an armed suspect who tries to pull a gun on the cop. I, I like, call me crazy, but I just don't see why that leads to riots. Fortunately, we have this fine gentleman to explain. It's sad because, you know, this will happen because they're not helping the black community. Like, you know, the rich people, they got all this money and they're not like, you know, trying to give us nothing. Aha, and there you have it. The rich people, they've got all this money and they're not giving it to us. See, it used to be, in a moral universe, this would be called robbery. See, when you think that somebody else has money and they're not giving it to you, so you burn things down, that would be called looting, robbery. It's immoral. It's immoral. I have people I know who are significantly richer than I, but I have never yet thought to myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to burn my neighbor's car. This only comes about because you have generations of people being told that all of the problems with their life are the result of the system. They're the result of racist cops who are keeping them down, the result of racist police officers who are shooting them for no reason or taking them off to jail for no reason. It's the result of a racist system that's coming after them. Now, worth noting, this supposedly racist system has been run by Democrats literally since April 1960. There has not been a Republican mayor of Milwaukee since, let's see, I was born in 84, since 24 years before I was born. Okay, the year that John F. Kennedy was elected was the last time that there was a Republican mayor in the city of Milwaukee. 
But that doesn't seem to matter to these folks. They say that the big problem is all the evil white people who are keeping them down and not redistributing the wealth. You wonder why why Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders are in favor of these kinds of riots. You wonder why they seem so soft on this kind of activity. Because they are the natural outgrowth of an ideology that they spout. If the ideology is that nothing you do in life is going to allow you success, and therefore your only outlet is violence and rage and rioting, well then, you shouldn't be surprised when there's a lot of violence and rage and rioting, and a lot of failures, and no success, and tremendous racism. The left, by the way, will claim that none of this is racist. It's okay, it's not racist, because black people can't be racist. Watch these rioters, okay? You're going to now watch some rioters talking about what they think of white people and whether they want white people in their communities. Back on vacation, bro. You we do not that? want justice or peace anymore. We're dealing with that. We want blood like y'all. We want blood. We want the same y'all Eye for eye. No more peace. Ain't no more peace. Ain't no more peace. We cannot cohabitate with white people. Is they're saying if you can't hear them properly, they're they're shouting at the police officers and they're saying that we we can't cohabitate with white people anymore. We don't want to be anywhere near white people. White people are the problem. Okay, except that in Baltimore, the majority of the police force is black. It doesn't seem to matter. The bottom line is that law and order is the problem because law and order only works if you trust the system that the law and order is based on. The enforcement mechanism for an evil society, those are the bad guys, right? If you lived in Nazi society, there's law and order in Nazi society too. But the people who are enforcing the law and order, those were the bad guys because they were enforcing on behalf of an immoral evil system. I remember I was in a CNN green, green room one time with Van Jones, who's sort of a racial agitator or former green job czar at the Obama administration. We were sitting there on CNN, we were about to go on CNN, and we started talking about exactly this topic. It was during the Ferguson riots. And I said, well, I don't understand. Why is the solution to attack the cops? I mean, you need more cops in these communities to ensure that there's law and order so that people can actually invest in the communities, there can be better business. Why can't, why can't we agree on this? And he says, you know how, you know how Jews think of Nazis? That's how, that's how a lot of black people think of the police. In other words, they're the enforcement mechanism for an evil state. And this has been the, 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 what, what's so irritating about this particular election cycle is that Donald Trump left an opening on the, on the right because he keeps talking about how America's a really terrible place. And the left has started talking about how America's a great place. But the left doesn't believe America's a great place. The left believes America is an awful place. The left believes America is awful and sexist and racist and terrible. They believe that the, that the system is just corrupt and evil. They believe that it's, it's, it's horrible in every possible way it can be. And therefore, anybody who enforces that system is now the bad guy. You're now the enforcement wing. You're the enforcement wing of the bad guys, right? The cops are now the people who are enforcing a system that's destroying your life. That's the idea here. And if you believe that, then of course you're going to riot. Of course things are going to get worse and not better. That mentality is not going to bear any dividends for, for black folks living in the other city. It certainly is not. It's actually going to cripple them. It's going to ensure that people living in, in downtrodden areas like Milwaukee, those people are now trapped in a spiral of violence and crime they can't get out of. Because every time somebody says, okay, let's put some more resources there to stop the crime, they say, wait, those resources are just the, they're, they're just the, the bad guys on behalf of the evil regime. When you talk down America is racist— doesn't matter if the police are racist or not. They're representative of racist America. That's why it's so nasty and negative what President Obama has done. He's going golfing. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about any of this. It's, it's amazing how the media treat Obama with kid gloves. There's another flood in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Five people have died. 
Have you seen Obama in Baton Rouge, Louisiana? No, he's, of course, nowhere nearby. He's golfing somewhere. I'm old enough to remember during Hurricane Katrina when it was the end of the world. Bush was a racist for not doing more, to stop, he, to, for not doing the Superman routine, going up and holding up the levees himself. Obama, who pledged the waters would recede if he was president, he goes golfing in the middle of a massive flood in Louisiana that largely affects black people. Nobody cares. All of this is devastating, and it's terrible, and it's going to get worse, not better, because the left has a vested interest, a vested interest in calling America evil and terrible and awful. That is their vested interest. And then when this stuff happens, they act like, like it's a big surprise. They act like it's a terrible surprise. Well, we have to end the Facebook Live here, but we have much, much more coming, including a great episode of Good Trump, Bad Trump. Plus, you're, you're not going to want to miss the things I hate today because it's spectacular. Go to dailywire.com to watch the rest. Become a subscriber. $8 a month is all that it costs. I mean, come on, folks. That's like one meal at McDonald's. You can go without. I mean, you're fat enough. Go to dailywire.com and subscribe there. Or you can download the show later at iTunes and SoundCloud, the number one conservative podcast in America, The Ben Shapiro Show. Alrighty, so we continue now, and the the left, as I say, they're very surprised any time there's some sort of race riot, right? They, they create the conditions for these things, and they're surprised when the race riots happen in their city. They would prefer the race riots would happen in Republican areas, but there are very, very few race riots in areas dominated by Republicans. Why? Because Republicans don't spend their lives telling black people that the system is corrupt and evil. They say instead, look, Every individual is responsible for his own or her own fate in a free system like the United States. Democrats don't say that. They say, if something's bad, go and, and take it out on the system. And any store that you go to is a representative of capitalism, even if it's owned by a black person. Any cop is representative of the state, even if it's a black guy. Now you wonder why black cops are being treated in Baltimore and Milwaukee the same way white cops are? You slap on that uniform, you're now representative of the evil state. You wonder why black stores get looted and nobody seems to care? The reason is because those stores are representatives of an evil business capitalism that is keeping the black man down. At least that's how the left preaches it. And the people who, who refuse to stand for this sort of stuff, they just get lit up. So Milwaukee Sheriff David Clark, who's a Republican, he spoke at the RNC. Here's what he had to say about, the, about the, what's driving all of this. But I think it's important to point out as well, because we tend to gloss over this stuff. We keep focusing on the police. We keep focusing on the police. And I've said publicly before, stop trying to fix the police, fix the ghetto. And I talked about those urban pathologies that have to be uh, addressed to shrink the size of the underclass. We were the growth of an underclass here in Milwaukee. You saw some of their behaviors on display last night. So you shrink the size of the underclass. How do you do that? You reduce poverty. You fix the schools. You put people back to work, meaningful work. You hold people accountable for effective parenting and some of those lifestyle choices, uh, which sometimes means if they're going to go out and engage in certain behaviors that society says uh, we're not going to put up with, then there have to be sanctions, and that's where the criminal justice system comes in. That's where the prosecutor's office comes in. And uh, I look around, just about everybody in this room has heard me over the last five years, minimum, talking about the role of the criminal justice system, the prosecutor's office, the, uh, the sentencing practices in this uh, area in Milwaukee County. And I don't know, I guess people didn't think it played a big role, but we're seeing it now. Not just last night, but we're seeing it time and time again. When some individual goes out and, and does something uh, heinous, we look and they have a long, lengthy criminal history that nobody applied any sanctions to, or any meaningful sanctions, let's put it that way. 
And that, of course, is exactly right. But the media rip him up and down. You remember when he was on with Don Lemon, and he said exactly this about the Black Lives Matter movement. He said, these people are out there covering up for crime. They're destroying the, the, the law and order system, the way of life. And Don Lemon refused to hear it. He didn't want to hear it at all. Maybe the most amusing thing about all of this, and it's all grim humor because none of it's amusing. It's all terrible. Here's a Milwaukee mayor, Tom Barrett, a Democrat, saying the cops aren't to blame. And you can see he looks stunned. He doesn't even understand how this happened. After all, he's a Democrat. It's not supposed to happen to Democrats, even though virtually every major riot for the last 50 years has happened in a Democrat-controlled city. I also have to say this, though. Um, I have not seen the video. There was a body camera that the officer was wearing. Um, that video will be under the jurisdiction for the time being of the state of Wisconsin because the state of Wisconsin will be conducting the investigation. I have, however, seen a still photo extracted from that. And that still photo demonstrates without question that he had a gun in his hand. And I want our community to know that that he had a gun in his hand. Now, the police officer didn't know it at the time, but there were 23 rounds in that gun, which means that he had more bullets in his gun than the police officer had in his gun. And at the appropriate time, the state of Wisconsin will make available that body cam video um, because there will be questions. Undoubtedly, there'll be questions that arise from that. But I want our residents and anybody who is watching this to understand that what that police officer encountered was an individual running who had a gun in his hand. Okay, and that's exactly, but you can see he's stunned by this, right? I mean, he looks stunned. He looks like, how could this possibly happen? Why in the world is all of this happening? Why, why is it happening to me? And the answer is because you've promulgated a view, just like all these other Democrats, that the system is racist, the system is rigged, and the system is terrible. And therefore, every cop who comes in is just a stormtrooper on behalf of the system. They're all just, they're all just the, 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 the stormtroopers of the empire working for Darth Vader. And so if you see that uniform, you know the bad guys are coming. Okay, to move on to the, to the awful president, presidential race, to move on from awful racial news to awful presidential race, Hillary Clinton continues to be corrupt. And so the question becomes, why exactly is Hillary Clinton doing so well? Because right now, Hillary Clinton is doing extraordinarily well in the polls, not nationally, but if you look on the state level, she's doing very, very well. And so the question becomes, why is she doing, why, why is she winning so big? I mean, here are the latest polls, just so you know. Right now, she's currently leading in Pennsylvania. These are the real clear politics poll averages. She is tied in Indiana. She's leading in Pennsylvania by 9.2%, Michigan by 6.6%, Ohio by 2.6%, Virginia by 8%, New Hampshire by 8.2%, Georgia by 0.3%, Florida by 3.6%, Iowa by 0.4%, Wisconsin by 9.4%, Colorado by 11%, North Carolina by 2%, Nevada by 2.3%. Trump is barely leading in Arizona and Missouri. Okay, this is a disaster area. The electoral map is ugly, ugly, ugly. So, look, I think part of it is obviously due to Trump. But part of it is due to the fact that there's, there's an information theory that was promulgated by a guy named George Gilder. So George Gilder has a theory of the economy. His theory of the economy is that basically the economy is like a phone line. You can hear it, the best sorts of economies are like a phone line. You can hear the other person clearly. There's not a lot of static on the line. Government regulation is the static on the line. It's what creates the mess ups between the people who are on the line. And then whatever you say to the other person, that's new information that's being conveyed across the line, and that impacts the economy. That impacts the line. 
right? The same thing holds true in politics. If you are a candidate who adds no new information to the system, the status quo applies to you. If you're a candidate who adds lots of new information, then it bumps up and down. Everything gets very volatile. Hillary Clinton is a candidate who adds nothing new to the status quo of information. What I mean by that is we're finding out new things every day about Hillary Clinton and her corruption, Hillary Clinton's links between the State Department and the Clinton Foundation. For example, CNN admitted, Allison Camerata today, she admitted there's no bright line between the State Department and the Clinton Foundation. That's illegal, gang. You say that there's no smoking gun, and you're right thus far, of course. There is no evidence connecting that there was actually a pay-to-play scheme, but there's also not the bright line here between the State Department and the Clinton Foundation that... Hillary Clinton had said was going to exist, or certainly the Obama administration had insisted upon when she went to the State Department. If there are these emails and these conversations of please do a favor for this person or please grant access to this person, that's not a bright line. Well, I, I, I have to push back on that a little bit, Allison, because when you're talking about please do a favor for this person, we're talking about the email where this young man really wanted a job with the State Department so he could further his work in Haiti. And, and God forbid somebody doing good work around the country is not able to get a job. I hope that young man actually got it. But let's act, what I hope the Clinton campaign actually does, though, is push back on all these false narratives about the Clinton Foundation. Can, we can stop it. So, so that's well, his response isn't important. What she's saying is important. Rudy Giuliani says it also. He says, look, everybody on, on earth owns Hillary, owns a piece of Hillary. On Hillary, they own her. Uh, Goldman Sachs owns her, all those companies that paid her millions, uh, the Russian oligarchs who pushed money into the Clinton Foundation and got uranium for Russia. Uh, I mean, so many people own Hillary, there's nothing left of them. Okay. That's right. So many people own Hillary. There's, so why doesn't that have an impact? Why doesn't that mean anything in this election cycle? And the answer is we've known Hillary is corrupt for literally my entire lifetime or close to it. I was eight years old when the Clintons took office. The Clintons took office and we knew immediately they were corrupt. They were already in the midst of the Whitewater investigation. They knew the bill was involved in a number of peccadillas. Everybody knew that Hillary was a shrew. Everybody knew that Hillary was involved in all sorts of corrupt dealings. She's the only, she still is the only first lady ever fingerprinted in the history of the, in the history of the White House. She's fingerprinted by the FBI uh, over, over the, uh, the stealing of documents and Travelgate. We knew that the Clintons were involved in selling national security. Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, they brokered deals, allegedly, in which China was actually funneling campaign contributions into Democratic coffers. And in return, Bill Clinton was declassifying missile secrets from the Department of Defense that China then used to build their new missile technology. So none of this is anything new. And that means that even a new form of an old scandal is just a new form of an old scandal. It's not a lot of new information. You say Hillary Clinton is corrupt. We know. You say Hillary Clinton compromises national security. We know. The only piece of new information in the last several years that really hurts Hillary is the one that has hurt Hillary. And that was her lying to the families of the Benghazi dead and trying to cover things up. Because even people who thought she was corrupt thought there's no way she's that evil. That's an evil thing to do. Right? That was new information added to the system. So when you look at why Hillary isn't succeeding, or rather why she is succeeding, it's because she doesn't add new information to the system. She's just the same old corrupt we always knew. And people are saying that. You know, people say, well, I'm not scared of her because she's normal corrupt. But what if normal corrupt is really scary? What if normal corrupt is really terrible and really dangerous? Now, people go back to Bill and they say, well, he was just as corrupt and his administration was great. I think that's one of the problems for Trump here. So because he's, she's not adding new information, she keeps her mouth shut, she just lets them rail on about how she's corrupt. Crooked Hillary doesn't hurt her. Everybody knows she's crooked and they don't care. Crooked and corrupt Hillary, that doesn't hurt her. Nasty, evil Hillary who doesn't care about the families of, of Benghazi dead, that hurts her. Right? The, the ambitious Hillary hurts her. But anything that's old information doesn't really hurt her at all. It really doesn't. 
Meanwhile, you know, Donald Trump is obviously, uh, he, he keeps hurting himself. So that means that it's time for a very quick episode of Good Trump, Bad Trump. We have a brand new theme song, by the way, for Good Trump, Bad Trump by a high school student named Brandon Snipes. So let's try that. Let's see how that goes. So we will begin with good Trump. Yay! So get a little bit of good Trump. So Donald Trump spent the weekend bashing the media. So it's kind of good, kind of bad. So yes, he should be bashing the media. The problem is, and here's where we get very quickly to bad Trump. Dun, dun, dun. We get very quickly to bad Trump because Donald Trump bashing the media, it sounds more like he's losing. It's not just him calling out individual reports and saying the media is corrupt. He went on a tweet storm on Sunday that is just basically him saying, I'm toast here. And in again, you can't read it in a vacuum. He has a campaign office in Florida. One campaign office in Florida in a battleground state with four employees. He spent no money in the battleground states. Again, that's a big zero. It's a big goose egg for how much money he's spending. The Wall Street Journal has an editorial today saying if Trump can't get it together, they're going to have to focus down ballot because this is a disaster. He was, he was tweeting yesterday, if the disgusting and corrupt media covered me honestly and didn't put false meaning into the words I say, I'd be beating Hillary by 20. Well, no, if, if they didn't lie about you, then you'd probably be losing to Hillary by about four. If you didn't say stupid things, you'd be beating Hillary by five. He says, my rallies are not covered properly by the media. They never discuss the real message, never show crowd size or enthusiasm, because that's his only talking point now is the crowds are really big. He says, crooked Hillary is being protected by the media. She is not a talented person or politician. The dishonest media refuses to expose. Okay, that's fine. And he says, I'm not only fighting crooked Hillary, I'm fighting the dishonest and corrupt media and her government protection process. People get it. This is all fine. This is all good. Then he says, It is not freedom of the press when newspapers and others are allowed to say and write whatever they want, even if it is completely false. This is what he just tweeted. Let me remind you, Donald Trump accused Ted Cruz's father of helping to murder JFK and accused Ted Cruz of having multiple affairs and lies routinely and says the National Enquirer is a wonderful journalistic outlet. Again, this is, this is the problem with Trump. This is the problem with Trump is that, as I said, his goal here should be to add no new information about himself, just ride steady, no new information about him, and attack Hillary and expose new information about her. He's doing the opposite. He's not exposing anything new about her. He's just exposing new information about himself. He also happens to be plagued with maybe the most incompetent campaign spokespeople ever. I mean, besides Ben Carson, who's officially the worst spokesperson ever, like it's trademarked, there's Katrina Pearson. Katrina Pearson, oh my God. Over the weekend, Katrina Pearson... She said, number one, that Barack Obama was the one who invaded Afghanistan. Not true. Here is Katrina Pearson saying that the, that the media have literally beaten Trump supporters. They are tired of seeing left-wing reporters literally beat Trump supporters into submission, into supporting policies they don't agree with. It just shuts them down, and that's not what they're seeing in this campaign. So this is essentially Mr. Trump fighting back. Okay, again, that's not what the word literally means, people. Ugh. If you actually want Trump to win, if you actually want Trump to win, then you have to want him to do better than this. You really do. You have to, you have to understand he has to do better than this. And again, it's not the media aren't, aren't unfair to him. They are. The media are totally, totally unfair to him. Case in point today, Paul Manafort, new story out. He's being paid, he's been paid like $13 million by a, pro by a pro-Russian Ukrainian group. Right, the, the, the former president, there was a guy named Viktor Yanukovych. His group paid Manafort like $13 million. He may still be on Putin's payroll. Another bad news for the Trump campaign, Ivanka Trump is doing a vacation right now in Croatia, which I don't know who vacations in Croatia, but she's vacationing in Croatia with the current girlfriend of Vladimir Putin, which is just like, like uh, it's just, 
So that, so none of that is, is good for the Trump campaign. But the media are, of course, ripping on Donald Trump over the Manafort stuff, but they're not ripping on Hillary over the fact that she also sold access to the Russians, essentially. She sold access to virtually every country on Earth through the Clinton Foundation. But again, because that's old information and we know that she's corrupt, none of that changes anything. That means that Trump has a real hill to climb in all of this, and it's, and it's really difficult to see him climbing that hill, especially because he can't focus. He simply has no capacity to focus. Now, I got to admit to you, folks, I really do. I have to admit to you. And I think this is an important point. Now, I've been getting into it with, with people like Laura Ingram uh, over, over Laura Ingram saying that it's immoral not to, not to back Trump. And I've said, of course, it's not immoral not to back Trump. It's also not immoral to back Trump. I think that you can make a strong moral argument either way. You can. And I go back and forth on this a lot. I mean, I, I think seriously about if I'm the last vote in America and it comes down to Trump versus Hillary, do I pull the trigger for Trump? Maybe I do. Maybe I do. If I'm the last vote in America and it comes... But what's being asked, unfortunately, is something more than that, and that's to lie for Trump. And as I've said a thousand times, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to read it to you straight. I'm going to give the situation to you straight. Trump is a bad candidate. He's running a bad campaign, and he's getting schlonged. He's getting killed here. And so the question is now becoming, okay, where do you refocus the dollars? Do you focus the dollars down ballot, or do you keep them with Trump, who's running a failing campaign? And people are starting to get desperate. They're starting to get angry. But you can either look reality in the face, and that reality is that Donald Trump is a very, very bad candidate who's not conservative, or you can continue to just throw your hands to the wind and say, well, he's better than Hillary. Okay, let me explain something to you. Donald Trump, even if he won, right now he's drawing 20% support among young people. 20%. He is 27 points underwater. 27 points underwater with college-educated white women. Mitt Romney won those women by six points. An entire generation of voters is being wiped out before our eyes because of Donald Trump. Understand that before you start justifying his behavior and before you start saying that it's imperative to vote for him when he goes down by 10 Okay, that's, it's a real risk calculation. And I'm not going to pretend it's easy either way. I've said this a thousand times. It's not easy either way. Anybody who's telling you it's that easy is lying to you. When you hear people say it's just as easy as lesser of two evils, no, it isn't that easy. When you hear people say it's just as easy as Trump is unpalatable, no, it's not just that easy because Hillary is also unpalatable and in many ways worse. There is no good answer here, and good people are going to come to a conclusion on either side of that. I have never ripped people who are supporting Trump to stop Hillary. I've ripped people who lie about, about Trump and say he's conservative. He's not. I've ripped people who, who, who try to pervert conservatism to fit Trump because that does serious damage to the conservative movement. Because when you shift the standard of conservatism to fit anybody, you're destroying the standard in order to fit the guy, and then the standard no longer exists. But I think that for us to get along after this election, for us to have a future for the Republican Party, for us to have a future for conservatism after this election, we're going to have to acknowledge that people can come to some decent solutions and they don't have to be the same. That if I don't choose to vote for Trump, that's my decision. If you choose to vote for Trump, that's your decision. We're all adults here. So long as we think we're fighting for the right kind of conservatism, there's a moral argument to be made. There's a moral argument to be made. And I think that we've gotten in the habit, unfortunately, over the past few years, maybe I've been part of this. I've tried not to be, but maybe I have. We've gotten into the habit of condemning tactics as policy preference. You know, I actually ripped, as I recall, Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, for going on the floor of the Senate and saying that anybody who wasn't willing to shut down the government was pro-Obamacare. And I said, that's not true. That's not true. They just want to support a different out- They want to support a different methodology. I may think they're wrong. I may, I may side with Cruz. But you can't say that a particular tactic to preserve a goal, that's what makes somebody nasty. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't buy it. I don't, I don't buy that if you don't vote for Trump, you're immoral. I don't buy that if you do vote for Trump, you're immoral. I think that these are both 
eminently possible calculations, and I shift on my own calculation day to day as far as my vote, but I will never shift on my calculation with regard to coverage. And when it comes to coverage, I'm always going to tell the truth to you. I'm always going to tell you what I think about what Donald Trump is doing. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie for him. I'm not going to skew things. I'm going to tell you what he's doing. Again, I'm going to tell you what I think Hillary's doing too. It's your responsibility as an adult to vote. So my vote is my own, but what I say to you, that's what matters. Okay. Time for some things I like and then a few things I hate. So, things I like. First of all, uh, my wife and I have now been watching American Crime Story, The People versus O.J. Simpson. And it is really, really good. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the O.J. Simpson trial. It still angers me. Uh, I was, I think I've told this story before, but I was in middle school when the verdict came down. And they actually walked into our class and brought a TV, TV in, this public school. Brought a TV in, and they showed the verdict being read aloud in the class because they'd announced beforehand what time the verdict was going to be read. Uh, and I recall every black person in the class started cheering and every white person in the class was devastated. And that's and we were like 10 at the time. And the reason for that is because O.J. Simpson was eminently guilty. Eminently guilty. Actually, the O.J. Simpson thing has something to say about the Milwaukee thing. The O.J. Simpson thing, he was so clearly guilty. I don't mean like 99% guilty. I mean 110% guilty. O.J. Simpson absolutely killed Nicole, absolutely killed Ronald Goldman, absolutely almost beheaded them. Like just brutal, brutal slaying. And everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. But there were people who decided they wanted to lie to themselves because they wanted to lie about how the system worked. This was racial revenge for Rodney King. What this what this shows in terms of, in ter- not in terms of O.J. killing Nicole because of Rodney King, but in terms of the public opinion about O.J., it was a direct response to this perception that the LAPD was evil and racist and terrible. And this show, The People versus O.J. Simpson, shows that. Here's a little bit of the preview. Yeah, what have you got? Got two victims in Brentwood. Brentwood? Nobody gets killed in Brentwood. All right. You're going to say this case is all about race? Yes, because it is. Do you think he did it? She was terrified of him. I'm not a public personality. I don't know how to do this. He's my friend. I don't turn my back on people. You're turning your back on Nicole. Who the hell signs a suicide note with a happy face? I ain't trying to be respectful. I'm trying to win. You want to make this a black thing? Well, I'm not black. I'm OG. You're losing control. This is a fiasco. You're afraid there are going to be more riots. This has got to stop. I deserve to get hurt. Choose a side. Okay, it's a, it's, it's a very good series so far. I haven't finished it yet, but the one objection I have is the, the attempt to paint Johnny Cochran as some sort of crusader. Johnny Cochran is about as corrupt and disgusting a human being as humanly possible. Uh, so that's, that's my only objection so far from what I've seen. Maybe that comes out later. But Johnny Cochran, they're painting as a hero, and he was a really, really bad guy, Johnny Cochran. But it, it goes to show, you know, remember with the Michael Brown fiasco in Ferguson, Missouri, there was a poll that they did among black people versus white people. And what they found is a huge majority of black people thought the officer, this is the, right after the shooting, thought the officer should have been tried and executed. It turned out, of course, that the officer was not only completely innocent, he was completely justified in shooting Michael Brown. Completely justified. Even the DOJ found that. The attempt to jump to conclusions is one of the things that is driving such racial angst and, and angst and anxiety, and, and it's playing out in real time. We're still feeling the impact of trials like OJ. We're still feeling that impact today because people refuse to rely on evidence and facts. Instead, they choose to rely on 
intuition and beliefs about the system itself rather than looking at each individual case as an individual case. Turns out that this case in Milwaukee was a nothing of a case. It was a black officer. It sounds like rightly shooting a, a black guy unless there's further information to be presented. Okay, other things that I like. Larry Wilmore, who's legitimately one of the unfunniest people on planet Earth, he's now been canceled. And that's a great thing because Larry Wilmore is awful. Larry Wilmore is comedy cancer. Trevor Noah's comedy Ebola. Um, but Larry Wilmore is comedy cancer. He actually came out and he said that this is the unblackening of Comedy Central. Yes, or it's the unsuckening of Comedy Central, one of the two. Uh, they, they still say, by the way, at Comedy Central that they like Trevor Noah, which is beyond reckoning. I mean, Trevor Noah is so wildly unfunny. I mean, I know, I know terminal cancer patients who are significantly more funny than Trevor Noah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really bad. Trevor Noah is awful. The only reason he's still on the air is because he has a South African accent, but he is wildly unfunny. But at least Larry Wilmore is gone, and that dude was terrible. Okay, time for some things that I hate. Okay, so, things I hate. Let's start with this new series from Fox. So here's the preview for the, the new series from Fox called Pitch. Here we the go. The San Diego Padres have called up Ginny Baker and marks a day that many doubted would ever come. 43. One up from Jackie. You'll remember where you were when you saw it. The entire world will be watching it. You ready for this? I've been ready my whole life. You do this for you, or you don't do it at all. Give me the ball. Okay, so let's imagine how this would go in the real world. Okay, just for one second. I know, it's a fictional series. I know, I know. I'll tell you why I object to this in a second. But let's imagine this were a real world. Okay, if a woman got up to pitch against men, we're not talking about, like, throwing a softball from 40 feet, because that's a whole different thing. We're talking about, like, actually pitching in the major leagues. Right? Women who threw softballs, by the way, have struck out like Babe Ruth. There was, there was a, they did a, an exhibition where a woman did this from like 40 feet. It's a whole different motion. It throws off your timing mechanism. This is a different thing. This is a woman pitching in the major leagues. Let's imagine that a woman pitched in the major leagues. Her line would be zero outs, six earned runs, six solo home runs, and the, pitch, the, the opposing pitcher would hit a home run off of her. Okay, the reason I know this is because, let's see if people know the answer to this. Okay, guys, Guinness Book of World Records. Guinness Book of World Records. What is the fastest a woman has ever thrown a baseball? I looked it up this morning. What's the fastest? Any guesses? 67. 67 miles an hour from Austin. Mathis, any guesses? What's the fastest a woman's ever thrown a baseball? Uh, 60. 60. Okay, the answer is a woman has thrown a baseball 69 miles an hour. Okay, that's the fastest a woman has ever thrown, so Austin wins. He's the closest without going over. Well played, Austin. So 69 miles per hour in 2013. That's the, that's the fastest documented pitch by a woman. Okay, that's a... You know, for a normal person that's throwing the ball relatively hard. When I was 11 years old and playing in Little League, there was a kid on my team who threw the ball 72 miles an hour at 11. Okay? The kid was a, he was a monster. He threw it 72 miles an hour. He was a monster, right? He got, I remember that he was, he, we got to the championship game, and this kid gets up. We had hidden him the whole year. Nobody knew that he could throw like this. We had hidden him the whole year. We get to the championship game. It's an Orthodox Jewish league. It's all Orthodox Jews. And, they, and the kid gets up there to pitch. And he throws the first pitch. And remember, it's all Orthodox Jews. The first base coach on the other team, he sees the first pitch. He goes, oh. <laughs> okay, so a 69, throwing 69 miles an hour, I'm not 
somebody with a good arm. Okay, I'm not. I haven't thrown in years and years and years. When I go to the, the, the if you go to the state fair, you know, and you throw a ball into one of these timing mechanisms, uh, I throw the ball about 50 miles an hour. If I throw hard, I throw the ball about 50. So 69 is, is, a, is a relatively fast pitch for somebody who has any sort of arm. 69 would not let you onto your JV high school baseball team if you're a pitcher. It wouldn't. Okay, Tim Wakefield was throwing a knuckleball at 70 miles an hour. A knuckleball, okay? For those who don't know what a knuckleball is, it's supposed to be a floater. Okay, the fact is, the average, right now, the average speed of a major league pitcher is in excess of 93 miles an hour. Not 69, 93 miles an hour. There's a very famous pitcher who used to throw a pitch called the EFIS. The EFIS pitch was he would throw it, and he'd throw it, it would go high in the air, and he'd use it as an off-speed pitch. That ball went about 65 miles an hour. Okay, so she, so when you say a woman is going to come, and she's going to throw, and she's going to blow away the guys, okay, unless this is some sort of magical Henry Rowan Gardner Rookie of the Year incident, where she had some sort of tragic arm accident, and it messed up her arm ligaments, no, the answer is no, this doesn't happen. They've done studies of this. Out of 1,000 men, here's another quick quiz. Out of 1,000 men, it's a book called The Sports Gene, where they talk about this. Out of 1,000 men off the street, take the average woman throwing a baseball. Now, pick 1,000 men off the street. How many of those 1,000 men will throw slower than the average woman? Out of 1,000. Guesses. Austin, what say you? 25. Okay, 25. Mathis, any guesses? 100. 100. The answer is three. <laughs> okay, the answer is three. This is why when people say she throws like a girl, that's not a rip on girls. Girls are great at lots of things. Throwing baseballs are not one of them. Okay? There's the outlier woman who throws slightly better than a mediocre man like me throwing a baseball. But the fact is that if you are anywhere near... This, no woman would get a minor league tryout. Not as a pitcher. Okay? Not as a pitcher. So so here's why I object to this. There's lots of fictional stuff that happens on TV. Here's why I object to this. Two things. One, this series is going to fail, and it's going to fail dramatically. No dude wants to sit there watching a show about how a woman who would never be able to pitch in the major leagues is suddenly dominating men in the major leagues. Okay? It's, in, it's, it's silly. It's silly. Okay? In the same way that a woman wouldn't want to watch a show where a man goes into a traditionally feminine, like, where a man is giving birth. Okay, like this is a biological thing. This is not even a, a rip on women playing baseball. I hope my daughter plays baseball. I, I have one, my, my personal trainer, his daughter is, is a really good softball player. Okay, that's not a rip on women. That's just a fact. Okay, if there were a show about a man giving birth, women would look at that and they'd go, you have got to be kidding me. That's silly. Okay, so men aren't going to watch this. Women aren't going to watch it because it's about baseball. I mean, come on. So this will get no ratings, and then the next thing that will happen, and the critics will love it, and the next thing that will happen is that everybody will come out and they'll say, oh, it was because of racism because the girl's black, and it's because of sexism because the girl's a girl. That's why it failed. That's not why it failed. It failed because there's no amount of realism you can suspend to come up with this, again, unless she was hit by lightning and she became the Flash. Right? There's just no way that that happens. Okay, so that's, that's, that's point number one. Point number two. It creates this, this feeling in American society. Look, they're, they're, I promise you, there are going to be a lot of people, Americans, who are like this, where they say, well, why can't a woman pitch in Major League Baseball? It's probably because they're sexist. It's probably because they hate women. It's probably because of that. That's why. That's why there are no women in Major League Baseball. That's not why there are no women in Major League Baseball, gang. There are no women in Major League Baseball because they're not men. Okay, that's just the way that this works. And the fact is that if you took the most mediocre, me, I'm talking like single A mediocre baseball player and put him playing college baseball with the ladies, it would not be close. And again, this has nothing to do with the male ego. This has to do with basic biology. Men's bodies are just built for certain things that women's bodies are not built for and vice versa. So I, this, this annoys me to no end. In other entertainment news that annoys me to no end, 
Uh, have you seen this new version of the match game? I haven't watched this new version of, of the match game yet. Um, but apparently, there was th this happened on the match game the other night. On uh, the match game, for people who don't know how this works, there's like a person in the audience. Th th there's some celebrity who uh, they, they give like a, a, a Mad Lib, basically. You have to fill in a word. And somebody fills in the word, and then the celebrities have to match which word was filled in. So here's how it went with regard to, the, you'll see, you'll see. Sesame Street is being rocked by a tabloid scandal instead of a rubber ducky Bert and Ernie were photographed in the bathtub playing with? Each other. Each other. Thank you. That's a great answer, Jen, but that came out of you a little too quickly for my time. <laughs> Jack, Bert and Ernie were photographed playing with what? My first attempt at being dirty and I mess it up. <laughs> Rubber d Nisi? Here's the thing, yes. Alex. I went with Jen, each other's pee-pee. So, okay, so as you can see, our culture may not be exactly Moliere. I mean, we, we've got we've got some problems with our culture. But here's the thing that I hate about this. So, presumably, I mean, the old match game used to have stuff like this, too, even from the 70s. You watch the old match game, it used to have, like, people making whoopee, right? That was having sex. Now, the, but here's the problem I have with this particular thing. The left has a tendency to take children's things and turn them dirty. It's something the left actually likes to do. They like to take children's icons and turn them dirty. So it was, it was the left that started talking about gay Teletubbies long before Jerry Falwell idiotically sounded off about it. And it was the left sounding off about how Bert and Ernie are really gay long before anybody on the right started saying it's nasty that the left is talking about how Bert and Ernie are really gay. The same thing has happened now with Frozen, right? You've got all of these, these people on the left saying, well, you should really make Ilsa a lesbian from Frozen. Children's things should remain children's things. Sesame Street is Sesame Street. It's for children. It has nothing to do with sex. And the fact that everybody on the left thinks it's amusing to take things that are for children and turn them sexual is disturbing. And it's really disturbing, not because they want to have sex with children, but because they want to sexualize children. They want to take things that ought to be innocent and rob them of their innocence. And this makes me upset. This makes me angry. You know, I buy stuffed animals for my daughter. And so I buy, I, my daughter has a Nemo stuffed animal, which is a Dory stuffed animal, right? The latest Nemo film, they tried to insert a lesbian couple, apparently. What's the point of that? What's the point of that? It's for my daughter. She's a baby. Okay, what, is, what does that have to do with that? That's just so you can feel good as an adult about your virtue signaling to your own kids. It's not your responsibility to teach my kids about sexuality. That's my responsibility to teach my kids about sexuality. And hijacking children's characters and turning them gay or talking about their sex lives, it's just, it's just nasty and gross. Like, there isn't enough sex in America. There's not enough sex in our culture. Everything is oversexed. Everything is overdone this way. And you see it everywhere. It's really, it's, it's, it's so upsetting because my view of one of the responsibilities of being an adult, seriously, one of the responsibilities of being an adult human being is protecting the innocence of children. And if you're not willing to do that, if it's more important for you to go out publicly and make jokes about children's characters, having sex with each other, having gay sex with each other, playing with each other's pee-pees in the bathtub... It makes you kind of a, it makes you kind of gross. It makes you kind of a gross person. You you want to joke about that among in your private life among other adults. That's one thing. You want to put it on national TV when presumably kids are watching this, and now mommy has to explain to her kids why Burton why why everybody's laughing at Burton Ernie. It's just I, I hate that.
retaining innocence should actually be a goal in life. The left wants to destroy innocence. One of the goals of the left is to destroy innocence because innocence implies that there is a moral value to you leading a clean life. The left doesn't like people leading a clean life. The left doesn't like innocence. The left wants to make us all sinners and wants to make us all laugh at sin. And that's how the left sucks you into the idea that you can be a sinner. And then what's the next step? If everybody's a sinner, we need big government to protect ourselves from each other. Okay. A couple more things I had. Told you it'd be an epic episode of things I hate. All right. Obama knew has a new Spotify playlist, apparently. Um, and uh, and the Spotify playlist, the, the media is pushing it as cool and awesome and new. It's an ever evolving, this is the Washington Post, an ever evolving, urban, coastal, hip, taste making Obama lifestyle brand. They've helped turn the president into an arbiter of culture and cool. So, it's, so he's included acid rain. It talks about, my big homie died young, just turned older than him. I seen it happen. I seen it happen. I see it always. He still be screaming. I see his demons in empty hallways. The president's playlist, by the way, is a love-hate thing from Wally Whale. Smooth sailing from Leon Bridges. Elevator operator from Courtney Barnett. Barnett, home from Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Many of the miles from Sarah Bray. Tightrope from Janelle Monet. Classic man from Jadena, so ambitious from Jay Z featuring Farrell, who's Pharrell, who's in literally every song ever. Me gustas tu, and it goes on for a while. This is his this is his summer playlist. He has a daytime playlist and a nighttime playlist. Because I don't even want to know what's on the nighttime playlist. Biden has one too. Biden has a playlist too. Yeah, yeah but Biden's playlist is all nursery rhymes from children. Uh, so the, so but Biden's playlist is just wheels on the bus over and over and over again. So so they've got these playlists. I didn't realize it was the job of the president to be a cultural tastemaker. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it was his job to be the new standard of cool. So while the president is releasing his Spotify playlist, he's out golfing while Milwaukee burns and doing nothing while Louisiana's underwater. So I'm excited that the media have decided that it's important for the president to put out his Spotify, but not so important for him to actually be president. Okay, final thing. John Oliver who's another one of these people with British accents who think they're smart because they have a British accent. He's on HBO, and here he is ripping on subprime car loans. Well, howdy there, folks! Do you need a car? You can't afford a car? No problem, just come right on down today to Crazy Johnny's! Crazy Johnny. But don't take it from me, take it from my cousin, Crazy Jimmy! Come on out here, Jimmy! I got a question for the people at home. Do you have bad credit? We don't care. Have you filed for bankruptcy? We don't care. Is your credit so bad that giving you a high interest loan will basically trap you under a mountain of debt which there's no reasonable hope of escape? We don't give a f- And if you tell come it. in today, we've got a beautiful offer for, for you right now, man. This here is a pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-owned 2003 Kia Optima. It's aggressively <laughs> Tell the people what it comes with. I will. It comes fully loaded with four tires, up to one engine, and a beeping device, which emits a sound that will haunt your dreams. Does it come with anything else? It does, man. If you check the back seat, this car has a fucking baby in it. There is an actual baby in this car right now. I have serious personal reservations about the situation this child is in. Well, 
what? Don't focus on that. Look, this car is worth $2,000, but yep. we'll let you have it for zero down and just $200 a month for the next seven years. That's nearly $17,000! No, 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 no. no. $17,000! No, 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 don't, don't do the actual math on that. Try and think of it at home like this. Act now, and this car will affect every financial decision you make for the best part of the next decade, and that is a crazy Johnny promise! Okay. So, first of all, I, I tend to find this guy funny. I think he's hilarious. Uh, this is, what was this, Keenan? From uh, Keegan. Keegan. Yeah, he's, he's hilarious. But um, the, here's the part of this that I object to, because it's, it's, it's a funny bit. Here's, the part, here's what I find silly. Take this out of the realm of cars for a second. Now take it to home mortgages. Okay, so... These are the same people who are complaining that not enough black people own homes, not enough Latinos own homes, how it's, America's a rigged racist system because black people can't get loans and Latinos can't get loans. So you take this out of the realm of cars, and suddenly the subprime loans, they're okay. And that's how we ended up with an actual financial crash. And they can rip as much as they want on these crazy dealers who are offering these crazy loans. Yes, they're offering them. They're not putting a gun to anybody's head and forcing them to take them. If you decide to make a bad credit deal, gang, that's your fault. That's your fault. Okay, so I'm glad they're informing people you shouldn't take these loans because you shouldn't. They're stupid. But the reality is they're painting these people as the villains. The real, the, the, there's no villains here. It's just a bunch of people making a lot of bad decisions. And if you don't have good credit, you don't have good credit. There's nothing you can do about that except be better with your money. I would like for once. It would be nice if they did this routine. And instead of doing it from this end, it would be wonderful to see if they had somebody come in and be the customer. And the customer actually is saying, like, look, I'm not going to pay back this loan. I have no intention of paying back this loan. I'm just going to take the house. I'm just going to take the car. Like, whatever. I don't care. Because the fact is, people are making independent decisions here. And the implication here is that no one's making an independent decision. It's all crammed down by the dealers. It's all crammed down by the banks. And then, when not enough black people own nice cars for John Oliver's taste, or not enough black people and Hispanic people own nice homes for John Oliver's taste, then he rips the banks for being discriminatory. So it's this rock in a hard place routine. Either you got to be okay with bad loans being given to bad borrowers who make independent decisions, or you got to say, okay, only the best borrowers are going to be able to get a car, only the best borrowers are going to be able to get a house. And then it turns out that there's a certain racial breakdown there, unfortunately, because of the levels of poverty and bad decision-making in particular communities. All right, so we have reached the end of today's episode of The Ben Shapiro Show. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about, I guess, the, the Donald Trump gave a big speech while we were doing this on, uh, on ISIS. And so we're going to be talking about, uh, about, pre about President Trump, maybe, President Trump's speech on ISIS and what he had to say. And, uh, and hopefully, I will say this, hopefully, hopefully, Donald Trump, gives his speech, and then shuts up for the next 24 hours because all he does, he gives these speeches, and everybody goes, great speech. And within five minutes, he's on Twitter saying something unbelievably stupid that allows the media to avoid talking about what he said in his speech. So we can all pray for Donald Trump today. Say your speech, and then shut up. Just shut it for five seconds. Okay, we'll find out. The suspense is killing me. We'll find out tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> 'll we'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. 
PureTalk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let PureTalk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 